And now it's time for Radio Wilder 33. On this edition, we celebrate Memorial Day with a trip back in the way back machine to Radio Wilder number one and number 22, a three hour special where Harry's Wilder Radio experience began. Uncharted and unpredictable, a father daughter playlist, the music of the Dave Clark Five, the Beatles, Prince, and more, and of course, the stories. A wild ride through Harry's music memorabilia, the colorful characters, 64 years of music life and stories, now in over 27 countries. From 1 to 22, the most listened to. So as we celebrate Memorial Day, we salute you, the brave men and women who have given their all and to those that continue to serve around the globe. With the memory tug from where this all began, it's the Radio Wilder Memorial Day Edition on the air. Now, here's Harry. Broadcasting in the high desert. 7,000 feet up, Taos, New Mexico, in the shadow of New Mexico's tallest peak, Wheeler Peak. This is RadioWilder.com, and we are on the air. Hi, I'm Harry. Most of you will know who I am, because I don't think at this time I've got a worldwide radio audience. The, the people that are listening are my friends, musician friends, uh, business acquaintances, family, poker buddies, Etc., etc. But if some straggler happened to walk into radiowilder.com, uh, you know who I am. So, this I'd like to uh, get to how this program, this podcast, this radio show ever even happened in the first place because it's bizarre. And, uh, and, I, and I just feel like explaining how it happened, not only for the audience, because this will be archived for future reference, but for myself. But before I do, I've got to thank the people that helped me. Um, otherwise, we'd have no broadcast. And the most important and the one that helped the, the most uh, is my executive director, and that is Terry Anderson, who just happens to be my son-in-law, and I couldn't have a better one. And Terry not only can understand a musician's point of view and likes, likes music because he could play several instruments, and Terry had something that most young rock and rollers did not have, that I played with or heard, and that is a very fine singing voice. On top of all that, you layer the fact in that Terry's a psycho, like a 22 or 25-year-old. He can blow them away with his tech knowledge and where he's at and understanding of the Internet. It's amazing. So certainly this program would have never got off the air without Terry. Uh, I'm opposite of him. I get by, but not putting any radio show together. (laughs) <laughs> that's for sure. So then, right after that, I want to thank our creative team at Michael's Wilder, headed by our creative director, Mike Ryan. Mike's written copy for the best, and he gave me direction after he said, what are you trying to accomplish with this show? What is it? Uh, tell me some of your stories. And he said, well, you need to change the look of your site. It's real techie. I'd like to have it changed a little bit to reflect you and where you're going, and I'm going to write the copy for you. And he did a lot of that on his own time. And I remember he he just said, hey, it's labor of love for me or something like that. I enjoy doing this versus writing copy for an assisted living company. 
waking up in the morning. So I said, okay, I buy that. Bob Duvall, the artist who created the logo and created uh, some, some other parts of the design, created the, I mean, he's just, he's the art guy behind a lot of the stuff that we do. Then Curtis Shaw's responsible for making sure projects are done on time. The cats are herded, so compliments to all. And we can't forget the legal department because nothing happens on earth without legal. And uh, so I want to thank Juana Mike. And that's in honor of his hunting prowess. And that's Mike Margrave, my lawyer and my dear friend from a long time. Now, there are other people that I need to thank. And certainly Marlene has been supportive in this endeavor. But I don't want to sound like one of those vapid Hollywooders thanking 19,000 people as they clusk clutch an Oscar. I don't have an Oscar. I got Radio Wilder. So those are the people that helped bring this show forward and getting it on the air, which is not as easy as it sounds. I appreciate anybody who's out there listening. Hope you like it. So let's listen to some music.
the background of this thing is very simple. Music has been my lifelong pal, my friend. When I have nothing else in life, I always got music and always, always, every single time changed my mood. My earliest recollection of my uh, first interacting with music or feeling its power was my dad got, us, got me a turquoise transistor radio when we lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The transistor, what I do remember about it, I'd be listening and it'd start to fade and there would go the battery. Luckily, Pop kept me supplied in batteries, so I'd listen to it when I go to bed, I'd listen to it when I get up in the morning. And I found rock and roll and listened to rock and roll. So I do remember as far back, I tried to think, when did you hear your first song or when was it? I can't remember that. But what I do remember is turning it on one morning, I think it was a Saturday morning, and hearing about in the early morning hours that Buddy Holly had died in an airplane wreck. I had listened to Buddy Holly on the radio, liked Buddy Holly, so I can date that to 1959. So through the next, you know, two, three, four years, whatever, I would always listen. I went away to a school and plugged a lot of quarters in a jukebox. And finally, I think I was 13 or 14, one evening on the Ozzie Harriet show, they introduced their son, Ricky Nelson. And that's the first time he'd been on that show. And he did two songs with his band in the background. And here's this young, good-looking guy, singing great, playing guitar. And he had four or five girls at his knee, and I guess they called them the poodle skirts in those days. And I thought, wow, this guy's playing the music that I love. I've heard, I heard him, of course, on the radio. And it, at that moment, I said I had, begin to get, had begun to get interested in the girls. And I thought, wow. I need. To, I want to be a musician, so I had no. My I had no desire to be a guitar player for some crazy reason. All I wanted to do was play the drums. The drums came into my mind. I'm going to play drums. So, oh, I'd say a year or two later, we moved to El Paso, Texas. Lived on the West Side. Uh, went. I guess I was in eighth grade, ninth grade. Went to a high school for one year, understanding and knowing that a high school closer to my house was going to be built and we were going to move there. And uh, so when we got shipped back up to the other high school, I met my lifelong friend and fellow musician, Ty Grimes. Ty was learning how to play the drums. His brother, Gaylord Grimes, great guy and really wonderful drummer, was already playing drums. In fact, he was playing at some different times for Bobby Fuller, who was El Paso's famous band, most famous band, and had the number two hit in the United States in 65, I think it was, I Fought the Law, and was on his way to Hollywood to become a big star, and he was murdered in Hollywood, and that was that. But back to Ty, Ty and I, then I started to play, the, you know, started thinking more and more about the drums. I wanted to do it, I didn't have any. And right at that period of time, I was transferred to the east side of town to a little school called Parkland High School. Brand new, couple years open, and it was probably mostly made up of military kids. It was a good group to hang out with. And transfer isn't the right word exactly. My parents got a divorce, so I lived with my dad. He owned a radio station, KHEY, Western Station on that side of town, so that's where we lived. About the second or third day I was at Parkland, I became friends with a, a guy named Paul Feaster. And after noodling around a little bit, 
he told me he wanted to be a musician and he wanted to play guitar and I wanted to play drums. And so he got a Silvertone guitar, which is a Sears product. And I went down to the local pawn shop, spent 90 or 100 bucks for a blue sparkle three-piece set, had a cheap cymbal, uh, a cheap small cymbal, a little hi-hat. And we began to make noise in his bedroom. Well, obviously, nobody came around. We scared them all off. And if it had been a regular set of parents, they'd have probably kicked us out. But because Paul's dad came home late, and I had a kind of a free run, my dad was always working to get over there. We'd get practice in. Uh, we just kept playing away. Uh, obviously, no singing, two of us, just instrumental stuff, <clears throat> and learning our instruments. And I can feel and still see the first moment of what I'd call something positive. And that was when Paul's younger brother came to the door, bedroom door, and instead of looking in and then taking off, he actually stayed and listened to what we were doing. So I thought, well, it must not be too bad then. And uh, about that time, somebody, one of the other people at school heard we were playing, and uh, Mariano Acosta, an older guy in our school, very nice guy, great guy, he wanted to be in a band. So we needed a bass player, so Paul said, well, great, we'll get another six-string guitar, I'll take two strings off, you're now a bass player. So then, in, in addition, a little short period after that, I don't remember exactly when, David Canopel, another good friend of ours, joined the band, and people started to come by now and then, listen to us, and we had a little band. Something to say that might cause you pain If I catch you talking to that boy again I'm gonna let you down And leave you flat Because I told you before Oh, you can't do that Well, it's the second time I caught you talking to him Do I have to tell you one more time I think it's a sin I think I'll let you down Let you down I'll leave you flat Gonna let you down and leave you flat Because I told you before Oh, you can't do that Everybody's green Cause I'm the one who won your love But if they'd see
Harry R. Memorial Day celebration from where it began. RadioWilder.com. Music, stories, and life. The first debut, if you will, happened at the first sock hop at Parkland High School. And our band, well, we were the only band, but we were, everybody was all excited to have us. We had a big crowd there. So at 3.30 in the afternoon, we set up our stuff. I can still remember the perspiration dripping down my arm. It's like, I was pretty nervous because all of a sudden we're out of Paul's bedroom, out of the cage, out in front of the fans. So we had an hour to play, and Chris, the, my daughter's mom, and the woman I married, who I'm very close with to this day, and who ultimately, when we got married, was right in the middle of me being a rock and roll drummer, she reminded me a year or two ago, it was funny, she said, do you remember that I had to get up in the middle of that sock up and hold your cymbal up? because it kept falling down, and I didn't remember that in the glow of the beautiful performance. And uh, so we did our hour. We are all excited then, and I guess if we'd have been in Paul's bedroom and we had never would have gone past Dave looking at us and some people coming over, I could speak for myself. I'm not sure how much further I would have gone. I don't know. But all it took was that sock hop for me to say, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to play drums. I want you to want me.
couple of years bandmates changed Paul and I stayed together for a couple more years different band members came in as I said and the band became better and we started doing other stuff and singing came into place and I got a much better set of drums and he got better guitar better amp better equipment all of it and then Paul went off and or I went off to another high school for my senior year I was invited by our principal at Parkland to find another school We'll leave those stories for later. I guess he didn't appreciate what a good student he had in me. So I went over to uh, Irvin. By then, our band was playing all the time. Had a good band. Pretty, you know, we we had a pretty good following. And so over the next six, seven years, uh, I played in probably a grand total of five or six bands, probably encompassing two names. Uh, the Pigtown Lords was our first band, and that was I took that out of a New York gang book. And then we were Sonny Farrow and the Resurrection. And I'll talk a little bit about Sonny and that band later. But as we as we played and we're getting paid to play for a living, I went up to school, but then I started college. But I said, I just got to keep playing. And so uh, I played, I'd say, another, I can't remember, another couple of years. And then I... I I was married, and my dad wanted me to go back to school, and I said, okay. I had a great time playing, loved it, and that was that. You know, we had part-time jobs, you know, part jobs. We might play three times in one week and none for, for two. Close and tell me how you feel. Tell me love is real. Mm-hmm. Words of love you whisper soft and true. Darling, I love you. Darling, I love you. 
back to school, and I wasn't back, and I was running camera at my dad's television station, doing a little bit of directing, and it wasn't more than a month after I was back in school that I got a call from Robin Vinikoff. Robin owned what was called the Vox Music Box, and Vox was a big amp in those days. I think the Beatles played Vox's for a while. And Robin called me and said, hey, Sonny Farlow's in town. We all knew who Sonny was. He was in California, and his, he, he always would put up, pick up bands, road bands and stuff. And he was a fixture when he was in El Paso, but then he outgrew El Paso and went on the road. He's putting together a band to go on the road, and I told him about you. I said, hey, Robin, I'm retired. I don't play. I'm back to school, uh, working down at the station. And he, and he said, well, I'd love to have you come down and audition. People are doing auditions for a week. And I went, I can't do it. So it took about mm, eight hours, and I realized, all right, I'll try. What have I got to lose? Uh, I, didn't, I never was negative about I'm not going to get the job, but I probably didn't think I was good enough to play with Sonny. So I said, okay, so I go down on Saturday, and the group that was auditioning that day, the people were Terry Wesnack and Bill Carrick, good buddy, they were pals, best pals, me, I didn't know any of them, and Sonny. So we did, we fit together pretty well in the audition, if you will, and, you know, shook hands and said, see you later, and I didn't think one thing of it or not. And two days later, Robin called me and said, uh, Sonny wants you to be his drummer. And you guys are, there's a, his, his manager's got a kind of a first gig for you in about a month or five weeks or six weeks, whenever it was, and you'll be uh, up playing up in Clovis, New Mexico. So fast forward all that, I made everybody unhappy, my dad, Chrissy, and everybody else. I was now playing with Sonny Farrell, which was awesome, became good pals with Bill and Terry, and through the years... Uh, that band changed. Bill and I always stayed in it. Terry went his own, mine his own, and did other things playing out in California. And uh, our, that band morphed into a very, very good band. And I can say it not because of me, but basically because of the five of us playing together. There were three all-stars. Sonny was an awesome guitar player, an even better singer, played good harp. And at 350 pounds, he had great stage presence. Uh, Tommy Jordan was a classically trained organist. He had a giant Hammond B3 organ, Leslie speakers. Also, for those of the, how you guys can relate to that is like when you used to have a big wooden piece of furniture that was your stereo. We had these big wooden boxes with speakers that revolved, and it made tremendous. He had a tremendous sound. And the third member of the trio was the best bass player I ever played with, Bobby Satello. And he's the best I ever saw, and most people think he's as good as anybody, and I'm talking about my musician pals in California, that they ever played with. And Bobby helped me. We developed a great synergy. He helped me with stuff. He taught me things about how the bass and the drums need to really have a powerful bottom end so the rest of the band can live off of us. So our band got really good.
Wilder with a salute to those that have sacrificed, those that are serving or who have ever served in the armed forces around the world. God bless each and every one of you. And we got to the point where we had to turn jobs away and we were then approached to go to California on our own tour, got booked, and we were, I was very excited. And at that point, I got to tell you, I thought I'm a musician for as long as it takes because our band was good. And Bill Carrick was my, still my lifelong pal. Bill was a rhythm guitar player, and he and I filled important spots on the team. We didn't lead the team. He was a very fine backup singer, played good, solid fill-in rhythm guitar. I did my part, and it just worked. There was three all-stars, and Bill and I held our own and did our stuff, and we fit in as a band. Well, uh, we had the tour lined up to go to California, and for their own personal reasons, Bill and Bobby were just unable to go with the band to California to commit. So Sonny got his brother to play bass guitar in California with us, but as soon as we got out there, we followed Sly and the Family Stone into a club in Santa Rosa. In fact, every single break was Sly and the Family Stone. As soon as we got out there, it didn't take but a couple practices, and then we were out to play. I thought, this, our band is no good. It's, it's nothing compared to the band I had. So we played, I played probably about five or six weeks with them out there. We played in San Jose. We played in... Uh, Santa Rosa, we played in Jack London Square in Oakland. You know, we met, we made money. But one night I was coming home from San Francisco, to San Francisco about five in the morning, and I was had an old refurbished U-Haul trailer. We had it painted yellow, and I took all the band equipment. I had a Jeep. Obviously, my drums were in there and everything else, and I just thought, the band, there's no future. This band's not good, and I'm out of here. I'm going to go back to school, and I loved the three or four years I was with Sonny. And at one time, I realized what great music could be and was lucky to have that couple of years with the guys, with Bill and Bobby and the rest of us. And so I went to Green Street in San Francisco to a music store the next day, told them I was out, sold my drums for a very low price, let's put it that way. And so that was the end of my professional music musician career.
And as we move forward from there, I then uh, took up what, of course, I always had a musical collection, whether it's cassette, CD, or whatever. But a strange turn of events happened when I was actually playing poker. I was at a poker event, big tournament event in Reno, and there was this little Vietnamese player who, who right now today is one of the best players in the world. And he had this little rectangular box in front of him, and he had buds going to his ears, and it was so small. I, I couldn't help but ask him at, at the break. I said, what is that? And he said, oh, it's a new thing from Apple computers. It's called an iPod, and you can hold 10,000 songs, and it's this and that. And immediately I knew I wanted one, so I called my IT guy at the company and said, I need one. And they had a special going on, and they, and they engraved my name on it. Marlene still has it. I gave it to her. We don't play with it, but it's the very first generation of an iPod. And I loved it and loved playing poker with it. It's easy in front of you. you I immediately downloaded all my CDs, all my musical library, which was quite extensive at the time, and enjoyed it. Well, in 2000, right around 2007, series of work events, and more importantly, my upcoming marriage, I said, I'm going to go to the series and play, not in the main event, because I'm going to get married when the main event is on, but I'm going to play one more event. I I did well in the event, cashed, and that's the last time I was at the series. I'd played five or six in a row and done main events and won my way in a couple times and cashed. So I was was pretty pleased with that. And uh, so... At that particular time, that was the end of my pod, except that it powered my home stereo system. We had just gotten a new, bought a new home and had all kinds of different stereo equipment. And I had a a docking station for the pod and it fueled my music, which was great. Well, then not shortly after that, the iPhone, i.e. iPad came out. I got one of those and began to continue my collection, not on the pod, but on, on something that could be Bluetooth and I could have more flexibility with. Well, one day I realized, you've put six, 700 more songs on this thing, so you and I can't use it with my stereo system, the, the one with six or 700 more songs. So I called two of my music guys who are stereo masters and can do anything. They've done Randy Johnson's house and all kinds of stuff. Stereo or music or equipment, you name it, they can do it with help from their pal, Jeremy, and their names are Mike and Dan. Uh, I said, do I need new equipment? i got to be able to use my iPad that has 700 more songs on it. And they said, nope, buy Apple TV, and you'll be able to do it. Well, they installed it, and it wouldn't run my auxiliary set of speakers. So they found one other piece of equipment, cost me 100 bucks. And that did it. So then I was able to have a bigger, fuller library, sounding better. I could, I could take the songs I recorded on the road. And the, the final piece to this radio, to the music part, is that I discovered playlists. I was up here in Taos goofing around. I didn't know what they were. And I just basically had an inventory. I always shuffled my music. <laughs>
couple of years, a year or two, whenever it was, I'm not sure, but my daughter and I were up here in Taos, and I had my old computer up here, but I'd figure out, I kept looking at these playlists, didn't know what they meant, and I finally figured out how to make one or do one, and I did a little play one with three or four songs to see if it worked. So we were sitting around one afternoon, I said, how about doing a playlist? We've got about 300 tunes on here, that's all, but let's, let's pick out 25 or 30 of them. You pick half, I'll pick half, and we'll put together a father-daughter playlist. That's what we titled it. So we did it, and we'll have some of the songs during some of these future programs coming up. I'll uh, reference that playlist because it was important to me, and it was fun that we did it. And so once I found playlists, that was like Pandora's box to me. I thought, playlists for this mood, playlists when, play when I'm having a burrito, playlists when it's raining, I don't care. I want oldies, newies, maybe I want hard rock, maybe I want the sweet singing stars of the 50s and 60s. It's just, it, it, it just made it beautiful for me. And of course, in the meantime, I kept accumulating music, listening to music, and for the last... 10 or 11 years, I've been listening to a station called the Underground Garage, Channel 21 on Sirius, and it's basically all rock and roll from the 50s to 50 minutes ago is what they say. I think that's their tagline, and which is basically what my whole inventory's been. It's from the early 50s all the way up to yesterday or today. In fact, I've got a couple of tunes right now that haven't even been out on the market for a month from now. I always appreciated all kinds of music. I still favor the British invasion in the 60s because it was at my age and it got me interested in playing music and because I still think uh, it's it's the greatest period of time. But there are other good music segments and times. And in this 65 years of rock, if you will, that I have, I have a lot, most everybody at some time or another, but there are people I don't have I don't have Neil Diamond. There's no Cherry Cherry coming. Not because I don't respect Neil or anybody who sang and played to me are the best. They're not dancers. They're the people that produce the music. So, or Elvis, I think I have one on a double play. But that, you know, it's got it's my stuff. I got to live with it. So that's how it goes. Well, the final piece of the music was about three years ago. I was listening to the garage, and I listen to other stations too, and have other sources. And because my daughter is only 19 years uh, different in age between Chris and myself, she liked our music, then she likes her music, and then the other. So I get good recommendations from her and some other friends of mine, and I'll listen to it. And she's added a lot to what we do. And but I was driving home from. A party in Tucson, and I heard uh, they added a new thing called uh, Double Take, which is basically a cover or double play of a song. And I heard a couple, and I thought, man, that's pretty good. So I started playing around with that myself with Terry up here on vacation, and it just took off for me. And then I got in a, I just started to go kind of psycho about it. So for the last three years, I've been looking for great covers, obscure covers, they all have to be one thing in common. They got to be good ones. Just because you covered, can you imagine how many people covered the Beatles? That's not good enough. So I cherish the list. I've got several hundred of them right now, and they certainly are going to be part of this program. And uh, you'll hear plenty of it as they go on. <laughs> Two. 
brings us up to date with the music except for one last piece many of my friends several of my friends and other people that came over through the years would say they'd remark hey i really like that music and basically or where did that station come from or what and it, it would be basically my whole inventory on shuffle so who knows what it would play that night but i heard enough of that to think well hey my music Again, it's not anything great about me. It's 65 years of rock, so it resonates with people. Well, last October, Bill Carrick, my lead guitar player, rhythm guitar player, came to hang out with me. We were going to go see the Congos, one of my favorite groups. And we came home, and he remarked something. It was either that trip or the trip before about, where did that music, what is that music, what's that source? And I said, well, it's my stuff. It's my play, you know. It's it's my inventory of music. Well, I really like it, so I kind of got the bug, roughly a year ago, to say I'm going to have my, do myself a, a podcast. But then, after a while, I said, "Wait a minute, you know, this is fairly intimidating. I don't know how to do it. I don't have the tech background. It's you know, it's not quite as easy as you think it is getting everything together and the microphones and the audio and where do you go and." and the platform for your podcast and the rest of that stuff. So 
uh, I kind of it kind of went to sleep on its own. Well, it didn't take 60 days later for it to wake back up again because my daughter brought me a book, and the book was uh, was empty. And she said, this book will help you write your life story, and I think you should. It's very interesting. It's just not, not just because you're my dad. So I looked at her, and I said, well, you think this is my last year on the planet? You think I'm going under? Why do you want me to write the book? No, i just like you to have it. And I said, honey, I don't want to write a book. I write all the time. I write ads, I write copy, I write blogs, write, 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 or look at writing. And I'm just not, you know, I just don't want to do it. Well, it was, what? okay, so that's one person. I had somebody else say earlier on the same thing, one or two people. But two months before, I was at my doc's office. Her name is Dr. Connie Mariano, and she's had uh, two books published. And she said, you ought to write a book. Your, your life is very interesting. And I was very comfortable telling her about my life. And as we talked, we had a good rapport. So we put that together, and I told her basically the same thing. I thought, you know what? I'm thinking about this podcast, and I don't want to write a book. So how about if I do a radio show or a podcast that combines the music, which will stand on its own, because it's basically all rock and roll, excluding, as I said, some, and I can tell stories because I can do that fairly easily, that part. Now, it's not easy to put it all together, but I decided to do it. So, again, the people that I thanked helped me get to this particular point. And so I think that uh, I'm going to get better at this. I'm not a professional. I'm not a jock. I'm not a music spinner. But I think you'll hopefully you'll like the stories. I'll have a lot of them, and most of them are true. And my, uh, my aim is to share the music with everybody, tell the stories, and at the same time, uh, there basically is my, my music book. That'll uh, take care of both those things that I want to accomplish. So you'll be lucky to know or happy to know this will be the last time you hear me babble for five or six minutes. But I wanted everybody who listens to know or when this show's archived to know how this thing started and what it means. And it is important to me to, to say how it happened because it's just life. And again, music never leaves me and I never thought I'd be in this position but I'm happy to be in it. So enough of the talk. Let's get down to playing the kind of music that I think you're really going to enjoy and appreciate. It's not going to be um, set in stone. It'll be all over the place. And I'm going to get to a point when I improve about, well, next week we'll do this or whatever, however, give you a little warning. And I'm going to try to do a show every Friday, 4 or 5 o'clock. And if it takes off and people like it, then I'll either do probably an hour-long show, but if people like it, I'll either lengthen the show or do another show, so I have two a week. We'll just see how that goes. But right now, tune in, enjoy it, and let's listen to Radio Wilder.
Conversation and a music playlist with his daughter and without an idea of where it might go. Would people listen? Would it last? Where will it go?
Well, apparently we've struck a chord. It's RadioWilder.com, now in over 27 countries around the globe. With a charity gift shop, videos, pics, people buying t-shirts, spreading the word, the Radio Wilder word. And our Radio Wilder Memorial Day experience is not over yet. As we join Harry in one of the most listened to shows to date. Radio Wilder number 22. Yes, the Memorial Day Fandango continues with more music, more stories, Deuces Wilder, news from inquiring minds, spelled with an I. Now, crank it up to Stan Sun for more of our three-hour Memorial Day special. Hey, thanks, Dave. Hey, Radio Wilder fans. Check out our latest video that we have up. It's of my lifelong friend, Ty Grimes, playing drums on a tune called Medicine Man. He's doing trio work on it. Ty and I have been pals since we were 14, lifelong friends. Both played the drums. He's still playing the drums. And he's played with some of the world's best musicians and bands, including a Radio Wilder favorite, Ricky Nelson. Check it out.
What's up? Friday night, base of the monk, base of Big Camelback, Camelback Studios. Back again, wondering what in the world are we going to do this weekend? I always wonder what in the world am I going to do this weekend? Got uh, a wonderful, wonderful show tonight. I think we always have a wonderful, wonderful show, and some are contributions coming from you, which, of course, we're very happy to have. Instead of starting with immediately with the homework, what we're gonna, what I'm going to do tonight on the storytelling time is talk about the tremendous time we had in Nashville, Music City, share a few secrets with you, and uh, a big upset that happened down in Nashville And what a fun town it was. So we'll get into that in the storytelling. We have on the site some new pictures, hopefully. And we certainly have our brand new MYM, our MIM, our meditation, our yoga, our getting mellow playlist. It's just a list sitting out there for anybody to use at your discretion, just listening pleasure or to use with one of those activities, or to do what Terry found out it was very successful at today. He played it in his office, and it put the two dogs to sleep. So I believe it's going to have some type of a merit, and you'll be able to enjoy it and have a wonderful time with it. Some of the new pictures might be from Nashville. Uh, We have some fans that have sent some of their stuff in. And... uh, so they'll, they'll get on the video. Uh, we're still still trying to put it together in the charity. We have the video up in Wilder Video, which, of course, is the, the group, the, uh, the little group that we're trying to, to get together and make it happen with that, and I think we're going to. On the 23rd of March, we're still on track to do our very first song, Broken Into, the American public's eyes and ears and every other kind of thing via video and uh, on our playlist, featured on our playlist this on uh, uh, March 23rd. Hopefully we're going to have David come on with us, and I, we're going to try a Skype. But as I've mentioned before, my loyal, faithful Japanese fans, I'm not sure what the time frame is or the time difference for us to get that done, but we are going to do it. Another thing we're going to work on is we're going to try to double up the request because uh, I'm Mr. Mr. Music Player here is falling behind. I mean, we're playing them once a week and they're working. That's the, but the and the, but the bad news is we're falling behind. The good news is we're very happy to have all the requests, more and more, and some new ones, an interesting one. And somebody's name came in that I'm not going to mention right now because I don't think I could pronounce it. But Marlene and I are trying, and she's trying to figure out. Hopefully. We've added another country, and we're hoping it's Italy, but it looks like it's either going to be Italy or maybe a new one down in South America. So we'll be able to claim that uh, for our for our stuff. And let's see. Do we have anything else on here? Of course you're going to have the Enquirer. we got some beauties tonight on the Enquirer. It's going to be very nice for you. You're going to enjoy it, as we always do. And I read something, I can't remember where it was, where it said, I didn't even know, and I don't know, and it's an honest thing when I said to Marlene tonight, <clears throat> I said, what does me to mean? What is that? She had to explain to me what it was, and you know, I certainly respect anybody that's ever had that happen. And But I honestly do believe, like, all hysteria, it's overblown. It does remind me of the Enquirer. So in the USA Today, 
I saw something that said, in Hollywood, the the women, the actresses, uh, said that 94% they did a survey had been sexually harassed. Now, anytime I see a number, I'm a numbers guy, of 94%, I got to really see some facts behind it. After reviewing the column and going down, as the disclaimers came up and up and up, and it was a small group from end of December to early Jan when all this was going on, and some were a third, we're not sure what sexual harassment was, you probably got down to 14, 18%. I don't know what the number is, but it eerily reminded me, or maybe joyously reminded me of the Enquirer. The Enquirer speaks the truth, and now the other periodicals, the media, are joining up. The music tonight, J.P. Soares, S-O-A-R-S. Very interesting guy. He started off playing and recording with the heaviest of heavy metal groups. Found out that uh, in his influences are Hank Wilson. I mean, <laughs> Hank Wilson. <laughs> That's good. Why don't we just say Brian Wilson? Hank Williams, Miles Davis, Dr. John, kind of really all over the Black Sabbath. He's everywhere. So what comes out of all this tunnel of influence is a very heavy-duty blues, rockin' blues. He's currently on tour playing a lot of Florida, Alabama, a lot of the Southern. But he, I think he sets himself up. I like this stuff, so you're going to get uh, tuned into it, and I think you're going to want some more. In fact, I started looking for a tour to see where he might be. So we'll lead off with him. Next, 30 Days in the Hole by Humble Pie. Most of you probably don't know who that is or was. It was a group that featured Peter Frampton and some others. It was before Peter went solo. And after he decided to go solo, uh, the album that they had worked on cracked into and busted into a top five and he thought I made a terrible mistake but in fact he did not and he had a great career next Night Moves Bob Seger most notably known another Detroiter like uh, Eminem or Jack White noted his biggest band was a Silver Bullet band had a lot of great hits and it was a lifelong best friend of Glenn Fry, and he's uh, put out a new tribute song to, to the, the to, to uh, honor Glenn Fry, and he just did that about, I think about a month ago. On top of that, he had a, he was playing, and he had a terrible, real problem with his back, and he had to have spinal surgery, and he's hoping, with a career that started in 1961, that he can keep playing. Night Moves was probably his big song. We're going to play that for you. And then the biggest sticky of the night, I'm going to stop after the re- after we play three. Belongs to Robbie Robertson, and we'll get to him when the time is proper for Robbie to come on board. We'll start it off. Not let's knock off three. See where we are. See how we feel. Then we're going to take the longest sticky of the night. We're going to shorten it down. I'll try to abbreviate it, but I will send you and say you must go out to Wikipedia. You must go out to there are several different information sources, discography, discographies of him. Because he will have the longest sticky on the show. So full moon night in Memphis. Lead it off. Let JP soar.
RadioWilder.com. Now with listeners in 17 countries around the world, including Australia, Brazil, France, Germany, Japan, the UK, Ireland, India, Poland, Russia, and the US. Let us know where you're listening to RadioWilder.com. How the night moves When you just don't seem to have as much to lose Strange how the night moves With autumn closing in
humble by did 30 days in the hole and he, and I believe this in this week's inquiry we may have some candidates for that if not longer on the the uh, tribute song that's done I knew you when that's the song that Bob Seger dedicated or is a tribute song to Glenn Fry that's the that's the tune that he did he also co-wrote the Eagles big hit heartache tonight so Bob and, and that group are tied in pretty closely, pretty tight. Okay, longest sticky could be the longest sticky in history. The reason it could be the longest sticky is because Robbie Robertson, those of you that know, his most famous group was the band. The band uh, had several iterations. He's from Canada, and they started off, and I remember one time reading someplace or seeing some documentary. They were so poor they stole candy or stole stuff from some 7-Eleven to eat. They obviously morphed up into the bruisers that they became, and they're all, uh, they were tied into several different musicians, but most notably Bob Dylan. They did several things with Bob. Now, Robbie himself has been involved in writing books, working in films, movies like Raging Bull, working with Martin Scorsese. He's done, he's written, he wrote most of the band stuff. He never sang. Uh, he had about 10 years before he did a single with them. But he he went out to California, they did, and they found a studio, Shangri-La. And they had done some tapes in early 71. I think Shangri-La came up about 76, 75. It was an old, kind of an old ranch house. There was a 1937 ranch house that a movie star had. And his the movie star was uh, from 19... Uh, the house was built in 37. And it was used in the famous... So I know plenty of you don't know this. The famous Mr. Ed, the talking horse from the 60s. They stabled Ed down there. And they also did the filming down there, and they did some other stabling down there also because they had a very, what they called a, um, what was the term? Well, let's just say a high-priced bordello. In the, but they had, they had a real a relaxed clubhouse feel down there, which helped them record. So these tapes that were done in 1971, Robbie put them together, then worked with Dylan on them, and what came out was an album that is that is the... Probably they give the credit to both Dylan and the band called The Lost Tapes. They're, and that's a good one, too. And that came out. And then they, some, one of the guys got hurt uh, in, a, in an accident. Not bad, but he just he hurt his neck and he couldn't play. And they were getting about the time they were trying to do some individual projects. So what they decided to do was make a one last concert. And when they decided to do one last concert, Billy Graham um, put him on the bill rented uh, winter, winter winter wonderland if you want to call it that out in san francisco and they decided they were going to just do one big uh extravaganza where they just kind of they just kind of do it and put everything together and it'd be their last shot and then he what he wanted to do was he wanted to go out and do a documentary on it and have it and so what he did was 
he got a hold of Martin Scorsese and said, would you help me? I want to put together this doc documentary. And he said, okay, great. I'll, I'll be happy to do that with you. So as they started to put the thing together, uh, they decided to put together a gala. And the gala was going to be uh, where they were going to have it at winter. And it was going to be uh, 25 bucks, and you get a Thanksgiving dinner. It was going to be on Thanksgiving Day, 1976. So when they put it together, as they began to do it, they invited all kinds of musicians, uh, Eric Clapton, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, Dr. John, Bob Dylan, uh, Neil Diamond, and they were going to play, and then these guys would, or, and, and girls would, very, would come in at different parts and play along. Well, they ended up with 400 reels by the time this was all said and done, and they put it together into and made it actually into a documentary that then was had a soundtrack with it, and the document the soundtrack was went to number 16 in 1978 when it came out, and it stayed on for a fairly long time. It's a great documentary; I've seen it before. You want to see that? And this thing then got him tied in with Martin. He started to like what what movies were about and filming and producing. So he got involved in doing soundtracks. He got involved in producing and did, as I mentioned earlier, like Raging Bull. He was part of that, several other ones. And then he wrote a fair amount of books. He's won all kinds of awards. I'll just say that he's uh, he made the Hall of Fame in 1994 and the, with the band. And, the band and, and he and the band made the Grammy Lifetime Achievement in 2008. And I promise you, this is like a snippet of what Robbie Robertson is. But I heard this song, it was in the collection, moving around, and that's uh, six, seven years old, I think 2011 uh, or something like that. And He Don't Live Here No More is the name of it. And Eric Clapton has a little bit to do with it on the guitar. So we're going to bring that one out for you. And then Geneva Magnus, Love is an Army. I, I ran into that also, and I didn't really, I just heard it, and I liked it. I was searching around somewhere for something. It's a brand new tune, 2018. She does some nice nice blues. And then finally, Luis Davis, we're going to be getting to you with your request. Next, then, we'll go to Robbie and Geneva, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the request. You're listening to the Memorial Day weekend celebration of Radio Wilder with Harry. Several different facts about Memorial Day. I think that some people want to know. I didn't know this. Several towns claim to be the originators of Memorial Day, but in 1966, Congress declared Waterloo, New York to be the birthplace. And it was really put together Memorial Day to honor military personnel and died in the Civil War. So those are important little facts that uh, resonate with Memorial Day. But I have a lot of respect. We all do, and we want to honor those on Memorial Day. And the flags will fly, and we have ours, and we're going to do it. And it was originally known as Decoration Day. Uh, the late In the late 1860s, the Americans started to host tributes to the war's fallen soldiers by decorating their graves, so they called it Decoration. And... Uh, it was a Union General John A. Logan who called for an official nationwide day of remembrance on May 30th, 1968, a date chosen because it wasn't the anniversary of a particular death. 
This is David Sweetlaw on RadioWilder.com, where you can hear the newest and the best music in rock and roll. What'd you think of Robbie? Sounded good, didn't he? You can, as you listen to music, I'm sure it's the same in all jazz and big band. I know it is in big band, you can see it. The great musicians want to play with the other musicians or the people that are artistic or know what's happening. To have Eric join up with Robbie along with many of the others shows you the kind of quality and talent that he had in his band, the band did. It's a, it's a wonderful documentary, so if you get to see it, please do, because it's, it's hard. It's just a very simple, The Last Waltz. How about Geneva Magnus? Back to the Blue, a nice blues tune. 2018, new heard her had a good voice and i thought she was sultry and sang nice blues so we got a nice new one on here 2018 and i'll have to listen i got about three or four versions i want to pay a little bit more attention that's one that grabbed me 
and therefore we put it on. Black Betty, Ram Jam, the very best of Ram Jam, just pretty much a one-hit wonder. Luis, it's a good song, though. Luis Davis got shuffled away in the dust on our request. I apologize, Luis. I'm not, I, I don't know who you are. I don't think you're one of my Japanese fans, but you're a good fan, and we appreciate it. It's a good rocker. We're going to go ahead and play that. And I'm going to do one or two songs. I'm going to do that. I should take that back. And then we're going to do a James Brown song. And I have a little story about James Brown. Next, let's go to Luis. Let's play a little music. Let's let's figure out what Black Betty is and done by Ram Jam.
She likes to rock it. Nice choice. Glad you brought that to the program. I was dancing around pretty well and pretty good to that one. Let's move forward a little bit to Mr. James Brown, a monster. Millions and millions of hits. Had his own thing. Mr. Soul, hardest working man in show business, and he was a hard worker. We were in El Paso playing, and we had a night off, and we knew, we heard on the radio, we heard some James Brown stuff, and, you know, we liked it okay, but James Brown on a record and James Brown live are completely 180 degrees different. And we decided, let's go down there. I don't remember who we were down there with, three or four. And in El Paso, the demographics are, it's mostly Spanish, and the black dudes are soldiers, and us white dudes are out there, and we're rockers. And we made up easily the minority, but we wanted to see the mighty James Brown. So we came in the Coliseum and it had a nice, it had a very beautiful, low, what we call low-hanging clouds in there in those days. You lived in El Paso, Texas. If you went to a concert, they had that uh, low-hanging cloud and it wasn't uh, uh, Paul Mall cigarettes. So you came in, you were feeling pretty good, and I think we were probably feeling good anyways. We had a night off. So we come walking in there and James... The choreography of his performance and the movement that that man did for two hours mesmerized everybody. The girls were great. He had dual drummers. I had never seen dual drummers before. They had played. I was just watching them, paying rapt attention to them, how they did it synchronized. The stuff that James did and played, their horns were great. It was a serious, serious show. And it, it really rocked us and thought, okay, in those days when we played, we wanted to make sure we we, we got to a point where we'd, we'd say a song or our set or we were tight. I mean, we had everything di- dialed in. The rhythm was good. All the rest of it, believe me, he took it to a, a whole nother level. It was a fabulous performance, and I started to listen to more of his music. We didn't start playing James Brown music, but it's one of those that you just said to yourself, there's an artist there's a there's a classic guy and uh the song we're going to do tonight is out of sight simple good dancer good dancing one i think people enjoyed dancing that and then we're going to take it over to radio days because it says radio days so world party on the bang album but back to james i was in south carolina going on a business trip and i pulled into this uh, got off a big airliner and then went to one of those little annexes where the smaller smaller planes fly and i saw all these people around this guy and i looked and thought that's james brown i think he's a very stocky guy used to be a boxer himself solid you wouldn't want to push james down i don't think and i just you know i wanted to say something to him there was too many you know when i say a crowd around i'm saying 10 8 or 10 people and you're going to take a commuter so there aren't a lot of people going to make the flight And it was just my luck that when they loaded us up and put the seats in, I'm right next to James Brown. He's on the window, and I have him trapped on the outside. James and I had a fabulous conversation, and I wasn't a fan saying, oh, James, you were great, you were awesome. I just talked about that night in El Paso, how his band stunned all of us, brought everybody together, and I thought, I asked him questions like, how many hours did you put into choreography of that? How did the drummers practice? How did they work together? Because sometimes they do exactly the same thing, and then sometimes one would do an offbeat, and another would do another another different thing. And I told him how much we admired 
how much his work was. So that took about the 45-minute flight. So that was my James Brown story, and, it, and I was happy to have it. Next, it's music time. Music, music, two for you. We'll do two, and then we're going to go into, Dave will take us into the Deuces Are Wilder. And the Deuces Are Wilder, up until two days ago, had two different songs in there. But I heard this, couldn't believe it was covering it, and it, it stunned me. I fact-checked it, you know, like all the newspapers do. And I, I drilled down best I could, and it seemed real to me. And I'll let you judge for yourself, because I don't think you'll ever have a chance to decide or believe who actually is covering it. But when you hear the whole story, maybe you will. So, two for you, music time on RadioWilder.com. and life the memorial day edition thanks for listening
Get the songs on the air. It's time for Harry's Deuces Are Wilder on RadioWilder.com. In the 60s and 70s, you would say, you're out of sight. It was kind of an all-encompassing term for awesomeness, greatness. You'd see whatever, or a great car, or that meal was out of sight, mostly tied into the girls. A chick's out of sight when he said, and when James says, you're just too much, it's beyond description, your eyes, what your eyes are trying to translate, something, something like that. And while we carry things forward from the 70s and, you know, maybe late 60s, but probably in the 70s, like dude, dudester, a few of the things like that that everybody buys off on today, I don't hear anybody ever say anymore, you're out of sight or you're too much. And I guess that's, you know, those are the ones that didn't make it. Next, the deuces are wilder. Davies brought us in by now, or will be bringing us in. It's Spanish Castle Magic, the Jimi Hendrix experience, off Axis, Bold as Love. We've had Jimmy on before, and we'll have Jimmy on again, because he may be the greatest. But he wasn't planned to be on. What was planned to be on was my boy... My uh, boyfriend left me, I believe is what it was, by the Angels, or my boyfriend's back by the Angels, covered by the Ravenettes. It was ready to go up to two weeks ago, or two days ago, three days ago. And I'm driving along, and I hear this song, and, and I look at it, and it says, Mark Rivera slash Billy Joel. And it's a friggin' cover of Jimi Hendrix song. I don't believe it. So I go home and start fact-checking, if you will, fake newsing or whatever you want to say. And the best that I can determine is that Mark has been in Billy's band forever. He's the horn player in the band, does some singing, also plays with Ringo, and quite a talent. Good-looking guy. Been, been involved in music for a long time. Well, apparently decided he'd, he'd go out on his own. He'd, he'd do some more songs with Billy Joel. And Billy Joel said, I like, let's, let's change it up. Let's rock it a little bit more. 
So Billy Joe can sing different stuff. He didn't just sing what he sings nowadays. Some of that's still great. Billy can sing. He has a voice. And they, the cut that I got was off a concert in Utah in November of 2017. And you won't recognize Billy Joe singing it. It is Billy Joe. And it's the cover of Spanish Castle Magic. I had to have it. It had, I had immediately canned the Ravenettes, or one of my favorites, and the longtime forgotten angels, and moved Jimmy, Mark, and Billy Joel in, into prime position. We'll play the double play, and then I think uh, let's talk a little bit about Nashville, the greatness of Nashville, and what we found in Nashville, the music city, and what we might bring back to the Wilder program from Nashville. It's time for Deuces Are Wilder. It's very far away It takes about half a day to get there If we travel by my dragonfly no, it's not in Spain But all the same, you know it's a good name And the wind's just right Hey! Really low, and the upper floor with cotton candy and battleground red and brown. But it's all in your mind. Don't throw your time on bad things. Just float your little mind. Okay. It's all in your mind, baby. 
you can see why I had to rip them out and have that. When you have a voice, you can sing and you can cover, 
and out of the woodwork, out of uh, a band like Patty did out of Bruce's band, and many others come out of the out of the darkness, out of the behind, and and move their way to the front of the band. And he obviously has. But you have Billy doing the back of. He said Billy's an amazing guy. He can sing anything and do anything. And you hear him doing one thing. It was like when Ed moved over for us. Uh, it was like we were looking to have her grace the Wilder stage and left her jazz background to do Born on the Bayou. When you have it, you have it. All right, and Nashville has it. So we're going to go into Nashville just a little bit. And I can, I, I've been to Nashville. It's my sixth time. First two times were business. I didn't hang out. Next four times were stop-offs, once for a wedding, once for my car, different things. But you got a good vibe in Nashville, and obviously it's the music city. The the difference of Nashville when you live there for three or four days, we got in there late, torture, plane four hours late for us and our pals that were going to meet us three hours late for them, got into a hotel kind of late. And our Friday, we were going to have an opportunity, which was disappointing. We were trying to meet these. It's another project that we're trying to put together. I haven't been very successful for you, but anybody who knows me know I am an animal and I am a bulldog and I will bring these things in one way or another. Now that we have a show, and I have IOUs to you, and we were supposed to meet this. Well, it was a. We went back and forth. It's this teacher we want to get on the program, who's just a one. Sounds like a wonderful teacher, and it's a music class, and people are to learn how to put songs together and record them. And I'm not going to go into all of them. And he was nice enough to reach back out to me and said, "This is last minute." He said, "I can't believe you're going to Nashville. I'm taking 25 students today to Nashville. Who would?" Who would have thought it? He said, you're welcome to come join us last minute at a studio. So the four of us were waiting to see if that happened. Otherwise, we're going to drive up to Corvette land so Bill could see the Corvette Museum, went to a distillery, et cetera, et cetera. Well, then Friday night, we went to Raymond, Ryman, I should say. I better say it right now since I've been there. Ryman Auditorium is what it's actually called. Built in 1892. That were in it for the and the original Grand Opry was there. There was no Grand Ole Opry going on in 1892. It was a church. It was putting on plays or who knows all the things that went on for 33 years before it became home of the Grand Ole Opry. We sat in pews. The acoustics were wonderful. And just being in an old building like that with that fabulous sound, all the all that happened after that just got better because Tedeschi trucks came on and I cannot tell you how Susan Tedeschi can sing. She just goes up to that microphone and smashes it. She's like Bonnie Raitt, except with more power, if you can actually believe that. Has the beautiful tones, but man, she was waiting after three hours. And her husband is a fabulous guitar player. That's why they have the two T's of the band. But we were treated to a 12-piece group horns, backups, dual drummers again, by the way. we got some organ action going on. we got piano. We even had some flute. It was a fantastic performance, and it was all of us had planned to go out and party some more afterwards. We were going to go out and hit the streets, but she battered us so much, the band did, that we just slunk back to the hotel, KO'd, got ready for Saturday. But the music... A place in Saturday we're going to do the Grand Ole Opry, in there, and I'll make that short and quick. The Grand Ole Opry is is the Grand Ole Opry. I, I would have rather to go to the play since new and it's modern was wonderful. I just didn't think the talent was up to par. In fact, a, 
couple of stars. I'm not going to name any of them. Couldn't hit the notes. Couldn't do the things. But to go there, it was it was really great. Then we came back and did a review of the show. And we just, everywhere you went, as everybody knows, everybody's trying to make it in Nashville. So at three, four, like Vegas, except I thought it was more honest than Vegas. People are singing and playing Ever We saw a gr- old granny, they called her. I don't remember exactly what the, the Taylors, I think they were called. She was a great guitar player and her daughter was doing the singing. I saw there in the afternoon, you know, you're eating a hamburger and somebody's playing. And I can only tell you from the other side of the stage, it's very disturbing and weird when you're playing music. And we used to do it at like officers clubs and stuff. People are eating and you're playing and it's, you get paid good, but it's, it's not the mood you want to see. But of course for the military in those days, you, you, you did what you needed to do. But the fun day was Sunday. We went over to Vanderbilt. And of course we all said, we're going to come back. We wanted to get more of it. We went over to Vanderbilt to see uh, Matt Schaller's son, Reed pitch, Heather and Matt Medicine, we all had breakfast, and their other son, Mason, was there. We were not some neat-looking ballpark, very clean, and Vanderbilt's a very good baseball team, and I think Reed sounds like a wonderful baseball pro, uh, prospect. He may declare for the draft. I begged Matt to let me be his agent. I said I'd do it for 3%, but he crushed me and said that's not happening. But before, after we left there, it was a little chilly in the air. It rained pretty good the night before. We were just going to walk down and... Uh, uh, we, oh, the other thing that happened to us is Marlene and I were uh, uber virgins. We never knew how that worked. And Bill and Donna turned turned us on, so we were Ubering everywhere. Couldn't believe how cool that was, how much fun that was. And leaving the car was so great, we turned the car back in. I said, here, have it. We think, I think we started Ubering on a Saturday. We needed to go up to Bowling Green on Friday. Well, fast forward to the, to the fun part. So Bill said, hey, there's a Piggly Wiggly across the street. Now, those of you down south, I know you've heard or know or family knows a Piggly Wiggly. It used to be a supermarket chain. They still have them. They're still around, but they were big down south. They were big down in Texas, big where we live. Cute, had a pig on the front. Reminded me of our Lord, my Lord's drum, bass drum head, except mine was a little greater because my friend painted a beautiful crown on it. Had a little bit more, but this is a smiling pig, nothing to laugh at. Bill goes into the store, and he looks down there. He said, I know they usually carry these grocery stores, have T-shirts or sweatshirts or things like that, and I, I want to get one. I'm a little chilly. He goes back and finds the coolest of sweatshirts. Music, Piggly Wiggly, Music City, et cetera, et cetera. And on the back, the pig. He didn't get more than halfway to the counter, and I said, I got to have one. So I got one. Put it on. Bill and I put it on. We Ubered our way downtown and became a sensation. That's an exaggeration, but not as much as you would think. We were stopped by people continuously all afternoon. Oh, Piggly Wiggly. Oh, I, oh, I love Piggly Wiggly. We used to go to say, we're going to the pig to get our groceries. And my brother used to work at Piggly. But we, t- we had p- people wanted to take pictures with us of our Piggly Wiggly sweatshirts. So my dream is, we even had a picture with the owner of the store, Piggly Wiggly. He thanked us for buying the stuff. And we said, uh, hey, how about having a picture? His name was Kenneth. So the three of us in there, maybe Terry has those loaded up or not. I'd love to have the Piggly Wiggly sweats, a little going to charity, maybe revitalize it. The guy's a smart guy branding branding his stuff. And uh, that was a lot of fun being stopped. And even when you weren't stopped, people would be staring at you. You could just tell them they were looking at you like, these dopes are wearing Piggly Wiggly. I can promise you this. 
in that whole, I don't want to call it, I keep thinking of New Orleans, you know, the quarter. I don't want to call it the quarter, but it is similar. Nobody else was wearing a Piggly Wiggly sweatshirt. Nobody, except for Bill and I. We cherish them. We like them. Hopefully, they'll be on the Wilder program, and you can have them for yourself. And those of you that live down south, you'll want to have yours for sure. All right. And we got the we got the now. There's our story for the day. Nashville, it's fun. I'm going to go and take a peek back into my old the area, the comfort zones for me, the the 50s of that. When you're a teeny little kid in here, either my Ricky or my Everly brothers, we're going. To, all you have to do is dream. And this show has turned out to a kind of be a dream. That's a 59 tune. Their voices are just as great today. They're timeless as far as voice goes. And I don't have a lot of great stickies after that. I just have songs on that I like. So I think I'll hit, what will we do? Let's go, um, let's go two. And we'll hit the Everly Brothers. And then we'll do a song uh, by Rhinoceros. And it was off the famous Satin Chickens album. You remember that, 1969. Oh, it's just a good song. They sing well. And you'll catch the drift of the song. We'll do those two. Back pop into the 60s. We'll do the 50s and 60s, 59 and 69. We'll stop and take a little peek at 2018, and then we'll get close. And uh, we have about three or four more tunes. We'll hype you up into what's going on. But as you know, as soon as back door's over, you know where we're going next. We're going to the pages of the Enquirer. Enjoy. All I have to do is dream. <laughs> Dream, 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 dream when I want you in my arms when I want you and all your charms whenever I want you. All I have to do is dream. So 
RadioWilder.com with new tunes from a new English artist. March 23rd. Listen for it right here on RadioWilder.com. You know the Everly Brothers, that's, uh, Marlene calls it a, a buckle polisher. Their voices are just so beautiful. If you have a great voice, 
it really doesn't matter what type of music you're playing. It transcends everything, and they always do, and they always will. Breaking Wilder News, courtesy of Harry's National Inquirer, spelled with an I, where inquiring minds and behinds want to know, this is big. All right, now, the inquiry this week is a little rugged, so I, want, I don't want you to get all distressed about it, but reality is reality in our world. You know how it is now. You, all you have to do is look around, and there's nothing, nothing too good to talk about. But we're going to take a look at Melanie Griffith. You might know her. She's got some problems. She has a ferocious, she needs a new nose, basically. She has a ferocious flesh-eating cancer is devouring her nose and then her face. And more troubling than this is that this, this medical setback that she's suffering, and there's a, really not a very good picture of her. And I wouldn't really make light of somebody having any kind of cancer, and I'm not, because it's serious if it's in the inquiry. However, when I read the next couple of lines, I thought, hmm, I don't know if they're just trying to give the old double point to Melanie. She's not one of their proudest subjects. I love you, Enquirer, but you know how some of the media picks on certain people. I think sometimes my my publishers over at the Enquirer, well, they're not my publishers, but I'd like to have them be my publishers, sometimes get down on somebody to get ugly with them. But back to the flesh-eating nose or cancer that's ripping into her nose, uh, what what is what has disturbed the author of this is the medical setback may have triggered triggered a relapse because as previously f- photo snapped a few months back in the inquiry, it they the pictures show a white powder like substance on the inside of her of the former excuse me cokehead's nostrils. That is a sign, by the way, that she may be sniffing around for more trouble. Moving along, we move over to Elvis's daughter, the lovely Lisa. Now, her money-hungry husband is chasing Lisa around, or her cash stash, as they like to call it. Now, Lisa claims she's homeless and doesn't have any money, but at one time she had command of a billion-dollar fortune. Uh, but an unscrupulous money manager wasted away 100 mil of hers. She's not happy about that. I don't think anybody would be happy about it. She claims she's, you know, she's pretty much busted. And on the other side, though, her her money-hungry 56-year-old Michael Lockwood, he's getting really ugly with his lawyers. He claims that she has three, $31 million in assets, including an $11 million trust fund. He wants his share, and he's going to get his share. So we don't know how that's going to turn out. It is what they call an ugly or... A divorce shocker, you know how they bring that up, because it is shocking when you see these things happen. I'm actually a little bit more shocked about somebody going through 100 mil, but what does that matter in the world of things? Then we move over to a gentleman that you all know is smoking the bandit, Mr. Burt Reynolds. Well, apparently, Burt has, Burt killed, this headline say, Burt Reynolds killed my, my hubby and uh, he's been hiding the secret for decades and decades, and finally, only the Enquirer can reveal the claim. So the three people—it was a—it was a love triangle between Sarah Miles, and Bert, and her lover manager, David Whiting. And apparently, one night, uh, she had been out with Bert. I'm sure you know, sightseeing or something with Bert. Came back to their palace. She came back. Bert dropped her off, and her husband was giving her a hard time. So Sarah called Bert. 
Burt manhandled David, smashed his head into the, to a card table and kind of busted his head a little bit. But everybody claimed he was okay. But then later, uh, it seemed like at, at, the, at the end of all that, he was found later overdosed with a whole big bunch of pills. And they were all laying around. It kind of looked like people had kind of set it up, if you will. So she claimed, she's not, her name is Nancy Jefferson, just so you can fill in the love triangle, that Bert's been hiding that for decades, but the, but the inquiry brought it out for you, so you can find out and know, have some new knowledge about Bert and his murder, that he, maybe he will not get away with. You know, you catch these guys, Wagner and Bert and everything out there murdering, killing people, you got to bring them to justice, that's what I say. Okay, so these were kind of rough stories, I'll admit it, I I. But I got to read what the Enquirer gives me, and I could go to lower stuff, you know, the B sections in the newspaper. They hide it under a business and stuff. But I like to bring it out front, keep you up, keep the news fresh, so you'll get to have it and understand it, and see what really happens in your dull life and in my dull life compared to these people. They've got a lot of action going on. Now there is something here that you can afford. You don't need a hundred million dollars. We have this week special. And it's the, the best way to describe it. It's I'll describe its ta- its name. It's called the Beautiful Dreamer. You can feel her breathe, hear her heartbeat, and she has touchably soft, hand rooted, by the way, hair. She responds to your gentle, loving touch, and it's an incredible value. You know, I bring in nothing but incredible values. This uh, it was done by an artist called Andrea Arkello. Now, people have paid thousands for her product before, but buying it through the Enquirer, this this beautiful gift, you can pick it up for $159.99 or, of course, on the easy installment plan of $39.99. So hopefully you people are taking advantage of these deals that we're bringing you through the Enquirer because they're not always just going to last. I'm still thinking about that beautiful $45 ring. I probably wish I'd have got that from Marlene for Valentine's Day. Just to just so to show how, what I feel about her, and you know, it had gold, and I don't remember all the things that were in it, but I, I hope we'll have one of our listeners or a dozen of our listeners reach out and tell me how satisfied their partner was when they received that forty-five dollar ring. All right, enough from the Enquirer. It's kind of a downhill for me, for me, because once I'm at the Enquirer, you just I'm 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 worn out by the power of the story, so I have to relax a little bit. So we had uh, the rhinoceros in the in and out of the back and front door with the gentleman. Now we're going to go into 2018. We got another one out by our band, one of the Wilder favorites, Fallout Boy, off a Mania album called Champion. We're going to have that, and then Crazy Elephants coming on the stage again. I don't have a lot of um, what's what, what's the term? We don't we don't have a lot of stickies today, but the ones that we had were long. Crazy Elephant, Gimme Gimme, Good Lovin', Who Doesn't Want That? That's from the 60s, and it's a good rock and roll song. Always liked it, always enjoyed it. Then we're going to have, then we're going to finish with three. Two Hall of Famers and another fine Southern rock group. And I think probably the best thing to do before I fall down is bring a real champion out, let fall out, by, boy, do their 2018 cut, and we'll pop back in, get you a little lovin' from 1969. Thanks. 
of Radio Wilder with Harry. Bill Clinton signed the National Moment of Remembrance Act in 2000, which asked Americans to pause and observe a National Moment of Remembrance at 3 p.m. local time. The president requests that all governors of the United States, Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, direct the flag to be flown at half-staff until noon on Memorial Day on all buildings, grounds, and naval vessels. U.S. citizens, which we have flag in our house, are asked, and I didn't know this, are asked to display the flag at half-staff from our homes before noon as well.
that's one of those songs. That's a 50-year-old song, basically a 49-year-old song. Kids, and that's around. It still gets you dancing. The Crazy Elephant, Gimme, Gimme, Good Lovin'. Champion from Fallout Boy. That's about a that's about a 50-year spread between those two right there. Looking forward to next week. Uh, I don't really, because I'm a little bit ahead of the ball game. I'll give you a little sneak preview. We'll go to Showtime 23. What I will say about it is we're going to start putting the double requests in so I can knock my IOU. I have enough IOUs to everybody with all these videos I'm promising and Piggly Wiggly shirts and school this and charity, Be Kind People Project. IOUs all over, and I don't like that. But I can give you a treat and tell you that we're going to do a little uh, Elmore James and Eric are going to help us out in the double play, the deuces. And then in honor of Nashville, when I was down there, we went down to... Of course, several of the museums, Johnny Cash and Patsy Cline. And even when I was up and down the hall dusting the KGY, the mighty 690, I always liked Patsy Cline. My dad brought her to El Paso at Liberty Hall. I've mentioned many times that didn't mean anything to me. I'm a rocker. If you'd have brought somebody, uh, who knows, uh, Beach Boys to town, I'd love that. But I always appreciated a wonderful song. So we... We went by the Patsy Cline, and we'll do that. And then one of the requests is actually going to be for my little sister. She wants to get that out. And then there's a song that is produced especially, another first for the Wilder program, by Mr. Butch Walker. He's doing it specially. He titles it Wild in the Heart. So uh, Wilder in the Heart, and I appreciate Butch putting that out for us as the show really gets some legs. I'm looking forward to doing it. We we had a wonderful time down in Nashville Music. We got some more ideas. We got some good stuff coming up because of that. As always, appreciate it. I'm going to look Tuesday and see if another country has joined up. And we're going to find out who this one request is out of the several we got last two days that we're hoping, hoping that maybe Italy has joined up to the program. I can speak a little bit of Italian. I know pizza and wine and I know what the flag looks like, and I know what that, well, I don't know that it's an Italian, but I know what gelato is. So I'm a little bit more up to speed on that to uh, honor the fans if we can get to Italy. We're going to end with three, just let you listen to a fair amount of music. Elton John makes his debut on the Wilder stage. He's going to do Tiny Dancer. We saw him in Vegas. If, you ever know, if you've not seen him, he's a master, consummate professional, Great musician, actually, besides that. And uh, he's somebody that once he's up, when you put somebody out live and they're greater than the records, that's all you need to know about what their what their performance level can be. Then we're going to go to the Marshall Tucker Band. Well, I'm not going to say it's an honor, Steve, but it's one of the Southern groups. They're still playing. They started in the 70s, lost one of the original members in a bad car wreck. And the name, the trivia on this, Marshall Tucker, they were in a warehouse practicing and they saw this Marshall Tucker, kind of a little sign over one of the doors in the warehouse. It was actually a blind piano tuner. That's where Marshall Tucker came from. Then we're going to end up with one of rock and roll's top 100 songs of all time, done by Mr. Masterful Bob Dylan, Like a Rolling Stone. It's a good song to end it out, and we'll just roll right out of here like a rolling stone. Another successful week. And every week for me, for Terry, for Dave, we just look forward with 
hopefully bringing in all these different things that we want. I'm anxious to hear if anybody used the meditation tape, if you liked it, or the mellow tape, or the yoga tape. It's just there to be used by you. You're not going to receive too many lectures from me. No hot air, nothing on it. It's just music, music, music. If you have suggestions for that, when you go in to request a song, I would really appreciate that you specifically say, Harry, why don't you move it out? Because we'll change it out occasionally so that it'll be different for you. But uh, what Terry did, as I mentioned earlier in the show, he, he knew how, it, how well it was working when it put his two dogs to sleep while he was doing some recording this afternoon. That's the kind of stuff that we hope. It's mellow. I like to get mellow. I like to meditate. Kind of terrorized of yoga. Marlene gave me a yoga demonstration once up in Taos, and I tried to go along. And men, we're not built like Gumby, so it's not always a very wonderful thing. Thank you very much from all of us at the the station, at the show. I did get a request from somebody that said, "Uh, Harry, I really enjoy listening to your station. I wish it was a station, but... The, another thing that you might be able to see, it may or may not be up, but when Terry did the video of my little station, if you will, here the studio, I'm like a mole in the dark here, but I enjoy it that way. And maybe that will, then that will look at that as a station. Music, music, music. Appreciate it very much. Looking forward to next week. Look forward to all weeks. Have a great one yourself. Enjoy the weekend. And go out with some pretty fine music. You got two big boys you got a Hall of Famers taking you out two out of the last three, and that's what we like to do for you at the Radio Wilder and do for us, too. We enjoy it just as much as you do. So goodbye from the deck, from the stage, from the mountain of RadioWilder.com.
away from my Carolina home Had dreams about the West and started to roam Six long months on a dust-covered trail They say heaven's at the end, but so far it's been hell And there's fire on the mountain, lightning in the air Rolling them hills and it's waiting for me Digging and sifting from five to five Selling everything we found just to stay alive Gold flowed free like the whiskey in the bar Sinning was the big thing, Lord, and said was star And there's fire on the mountain, lightning in the air Golden in hills and it's waiting for me So 
loud Now you don't seem so proud About having to be scrounging
You've been listening to Radio Wilder, the Memorial Day Celebration Edition. A look back from the beginning and treats for you from one of the most listened to, number 22. Oh, and don't forget to get your Hot Wilder t-shirts. Click on store on RadioWilder.com to see how you can get one and how it helps the Be Kind to People Project. And again, we salute the men, the women, and the families of those serving or who have ever served in the armed forces of our country. God bless each and every one of you. Now, be sure to be listening next week for more Radio Wilder fun with Harry. Thanks for listening.